0: This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power. power. So we have been walking through the great book of Isaiah. And what we see in the, the, the last few chapters of Isaiah is just this incredibly beautiful Vision of the, the new world that God is going to bring about when, when Christ returns. So let's look at Isaiah 60 this morning. And we're talking about the fact that God is making all things new. We need to focus more on the future, on the etern- eternity that God has for us in Christ. Because when we do that, it just our lives are surge with, with hope. We can become so this world, so kind of uh, er- earthly, earthly-minded, and it comes all about what's, what's going on right here and right now. But as believers, our present should be transformed by our knowledge of the future, of what God has for us, and, and that, that hope just enables us to to, to surge and it puts the things of this life, it puts the trials of this life into perspective when we understand the incredible future that is ours in Christ and that it's certain and that really in the perspective, the whole span of things, it's not going to be long either. Jesus is coming soon. And so let's look at Isaiah chapter sixty. This morning, and we're going to read um, selected verses from this beautiful uh, chapter, and then kind of walk back through it. So let's look first of all at verses one through six. And if you would follow along in your copy of God's Word, and just keep your keep your Bibles or your tablet or whatever you're using for Scripture this morning, keep it open as we walk through the text in the course of the message. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord shines over you. For look, darkness will cover the earth and total darkness the peoples. But the Lord will shine over you and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to your shining brightness. Raise your eyes and look around. They all gather and come to you. Your sons will come from far away and your daughters on the hips of nursing mothers. Then you will see and be radiant, and your heart will tremble and rejoice because the riches of the sea will become yours, and the wealth of the nations will come to you. Caravans of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah, all of them will come from Sheba. They will carry gold and frankincense and proclaim the praises of the Lord. And then verse 9, yes. The coast and islands will wait for me with the ships of Tarshish in the lead to bring your children from far away, their silver and gold with them for the honor of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel who has glorified you. And then verses 17 through 20. I will bring gold instead of bronze. I will bring silver instead of iron, bronze instead of wood and iron instead of stones. I will appoint peace as your government and righteousness as your overseers. Violence will never again be heard of in your land. Devastation and destruction will be gone from your borders. You will call your walls salvation and your city gates praise. The sun will no longer be your light by day and the brightness of the moon will not shine on you. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your splendor. Your sun will no longer set, and your moon will not fade, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your sorrow will be over. And Lord, we look forward to that day when sorrow is no more, when every tear is wiped away. And Lord, we know that that is coming, and we, we pray now that you would make us faithful until that day, and that our lives would be characterized by by the the hope, the hope that we can have the the, the certain hope that we have, because we know that through the work of Christ through his death for sinners on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension and his return, that the whole creation is going to be made new, that sorrow will be no more, that everything sad will, be, will, will come untrue as all things are brought together in Christ. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. The other day I was, I was out in the country and I drove over a, a bridge and I looked over and I saw the most beautiful rainbow that I had ever seen. In fact, it was just so stunning that when I drove over the bridge, I thought I gotta go back and take a picture of that. And so I turned around as... as, as quickly as I could find a place to do that. And it only took, you know, a minute or two to get back to the bridge. But by the time that I got back, it had kind of, it wasn't as impressive. It had kind of dissipated. And that's the way that rainbows do, right? They're, they're beautiful, but they're, they, don't, they don't last for long and, and their, their beauty fades. But what does not fade is the promise that is associated with the rainbow, and we see it in, in Genesis after the, the flood when, when, when God says that he has set the rainbow in the skies as a sign that never again will he destroy the world in this way. And so the, the word in, in Hebrew that's used there for the, for the rainbow is actually like a war boat. And we don't usually think of like a when we see a rainbow, we don't think about a bow like a bow and arrow. But that's the word that God uses in in scripture. God says, I've hung my bow in the clouds. Like I've I've hung up my war bow. Never again am I going to destroy the world in this way. And so you notice that the bow, when you see the bow, the bow is not pointed down at the earth. It's, It's pointed really up at God himself. Because God knew even then that, he was not only was he not going to destroy the world, that eventually he was going to redeem it. That he was going to make all things new, but that that was going to come at an ultimate price because that bow was pointed up toward him. And it would be God who would be making the sacrifice. It would be Christ who would be Taking it on on the cross um, so that that we could be redeemed rather than destroyed, and so that this entire world can be redeemed one day, that all things can be made new. And so when you see the rainbow, you should really think about the cross. And that is is the ultimate sign and message that God is not going to walk away from the world that his son shed his blood for. Instead, God is going to redeem this creation. He is going to bring about a new creation and all things will be brought together in Christ with King Jesus reigning at the center of things. Look at Ephesians 1 and, and verses 9 and 10. Paul says there, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, that he for Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. So in other words, there is coming a day when heaven and earth will come together. There will be a new heaven and earth when Christ comes again. Everything will be united in him. Everything wrong will be made right, everything broken will be made healed, everything sad will come untrue. Everything will be brought together. There's going to be a new heaven and earth. Heaven and earth merge. They become one. And if you are in Christ, that is your future. And that is the beauty of what Isaiah is telling us about here in this chapter. So what do we see here in Isaiah 60? First of all, we see the coming of the Lord, our light. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines over you. For look, darkness will cover the earth, and total darkness of peoples, but the Lord will shine over you, and his glory will appear over you. So even at his first coming, Jesus was associated with Light, especially in the Gospel of John. So, in the prologue of John, the opening verses of John, we see language like this in John 1 4 and 5. In him, in Christ, was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. it was again, in John 1, 9, it says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And, and then, in, in John eight twelve, Jesus says about himself, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. But at his first coming... Most people did not recognize Jesus as the light of the world. But at his second coming, everyone will know who Jesus is. And for those who have, have, have chosen uh, darkness, or for those who, as we talked about last week, were just kind of faking it, they will be exposed. But those who are in truly in the light w- will be re- revealed and so uh, we see in John 3 in verses 19 through 21 Jesus says this is the judgment the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil for everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. But when Christ comes again, that the truth is going to be revealed. Nothing will be hidden. Those who were in darkness will be shown to have been in darkness. Those who walk by the light will will be revealed as the children of God And for the children of God, the second coming of Christ will be a brand new world. We will be raised with glorified, imperishable bodies to do life forever with Christ in a a new heaven and earth. What what John calls a, a, a new Jerusalem in Revelation 21. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Let's keep going. All right, we'll keep going. <laughs> things new. And listen, if we are in Christ, then we are already citizens of that new Jerusalem. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22 says, instead, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering. And so if if you are in Christ, you're already a citizen of the new Jerusalem and it's like an inheritance. It's yours, it's already prepared, it's paid for, it's all there, it's it's just, it's waiting for you to take possession of it but really it's already yours, right? You're already a citizen of this and it's just waiting and it it won't be long. So we see the coming of the Lord, our our light. Second, the fulfillment of God's promise. The fulfillment of God's promise. Well, what promise? The promise that God made to to Abraham in Genesis 12 and verse 3. Let's look at it. He says there, And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So the, the context of this is that God is telling Abraham that he is going to create a new people through him, a new nation through him, and that this people, Israel, will be a light to all the peoples, that this nation will be a light to the rest of the nations. That's the the promise. God's saying here to to Abraham, "Um, through you, I'm gonna create this new peoples, and they are going to be a blessing to, to, to all of, 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 the, of the peoples. Now, the story of the Old Testament is that Israel fails to do that time after time. They, 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 they sin, they rebel against God. That's a big part of what Isaiah has been about, right? It's about God's people turning away from him, and failing in the mission that God has given to them. But does that mean that God's promise to Abraham fails? It does not mean that. (laughs) Because from Israel, God brings forth Jesus, Israel's Messiah and Lord of the world. And Jesus never fails. He never fails. He lives the perfect sinless life that none of us could, could ever live. And, and, and then on the cross, he takes our sin and our rebellion on himself. He says, he says, put it on me, and it all converges. Sin and death converge on Jesus, and, and their power is exhausted. And so Jesus defeats sin, he defeats death, He is raised from the dead so that all who trust in him can have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And before Jesus ascends into heaven, after the resurrection, he gives us our instructions for now. He says, until I come again, here's what I want you to do. And once again, it goes back to the nations. It goes back to the promise that God made to Abraham, that all the peoples, all nations will be blessed through you. And ultimately, how does that happen as we carry the message about Jesus to the nations? And so we see in Matthew 28 and verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so as we pray and we give and we go so that all nations can be reached with the gospel we are a part of the fulfillment of Genesis 12:3 of the great commission in Matthew 28:19 and so one day all of that will come to fruition in the new heaven and earth because there are going to be people there from every tribe and tongue that have been reached for Christ. And you were a part of that coming to fruition. And so we see in Revelation five and, and verse nine, and they sang a new song. You were worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slaughtered. And you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. Let's look at verses three and four of Isaiah 60. N- nations will come to your light and kings to your shining brightness. Raise your eyes and look around. They all gather and come to you. Your sons will come from far away and your daughters on the hips of nursing mothers. The new Jerusalem is going to be populated by, by people from, from every tribe and tongue. Not, not just people from every nation. Like when we think of nations today, we think about nation states, you know, uh, governments, borders, things like that. But but when the Bible talks about ev- all the, all peoples, every tribe and tongue, it's not just talking about people from every nation like we would classify nations. It's talking about people from every people group within every nation because a lot of nations have you know, dozens or even hundreds of people groups that, that are characterized by their own, their own culture and their own language and things like that. It's every people group. Every people group on earth ev- with their own language, their own, their own culture, all of that, every people group. There will be people there from everyone, every tribe and tongue praising Jesus in the new heaven and earth and, and, and all of these people who will populate the new Jerusalem will exist in in, in perfectly loving relationships because they're all perfectly relating to God. There's no sin. Look at verse six. Caravans of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah, all of them will come from Sheba. They will carry gold and frankincense and proclaim the praises of the Lord. And for those of us with a special heart for the Middle East, this is, a, this is an especially beautiful verse because the places that are being mentioned here are, are places in the Middle East or the Horn of Africa. They're, they're places that are now really dominated by, by Islam. But what we're seeing here is that, that, that the, the New Jerusalem is going to be filled with, with peoples from these places. And we're seeing people even now, many people come to Christ in these places, but it seems like more of a trickle. But th- the promise here is that what is kind of a little mustard seed now is gonna be a beautiful tree and that there are going to be so many people from these places that are, going, that are gonna come to Christ and that are going to be in, in heaven giving praise to, to Jesus. What a, what a great encouragement for missions. And then verse nine. God says, yes, the coasts and the islands will wait for me with the ships of Tarshish in the lead to bring your children from far away, their silver and gold with them for the honor of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, who has glorified you. So throughout Isaiah, we have seen this phrase, the coast and the islands. And it's talking about, People who, who live in, in places where uh, they have been so removed from the good news of the gospel. Uh, re- remote peoples and, and, and places that uh, have little or no access to the gospel. But again here, the promise is that they are going to be reached that there are going to be people from these coasts and islands, from faraway places, places with little or no access to the gospel today, that that will not always be the case, that there will be many, many people who will, will come to, to Christ. And, and there's something else here in verse 9, and you really see it throughout this chapter that is so beautiful. And it's, And it's the vision of people from just various cultures that are are bringing the bringing riches to the lord and it talks here about silver and silver and gold and things like that but the the, the 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 language here really is it's it's not just so much talking about monetary it's talking about that that people from 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 around the world who have come to know Christ are going to be bringing the riches of of their own cultures to to the lord and that in the new heaven and earth there's going to be just this this beautiful beautiful coming together as as brothers and sisters in Christ from from around the world bring the treasures and the riches of of their own unique culture and all of it just comes to, together to 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 glorify the The Lord, I love what Ray (laughs) Ortland says, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into the holy city. Human literature and music and dress and all aspects of culture, but purified and consecrated to Christ, enriching everyone and beautifying the place of God's presence. Can you picture it? Here comes a string quartet from Vienna playing Mozart. Here comes a steel drum band from the caribbean here comes a pipe band from scotland in their kilts here comes a teenage garage band from 1960s california and all the rest no one is excluded except those who are too good for christ and his church listen the, the, the only thing that can keep you out is if you say i don't need a savior I don't need a savior. My, my righteousness will suffice. My, my righteousness will cut it. I, I, have, I have earned my way. That's the only thing that can keep you out. But if you will humble yourself and you will acknowledge your sin and, and if you will turn to Jesus as your savior, then, then, then you are welcome. You are welcome into this glorious new world that that god is, is bringing about and listen our 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 view of 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 heaven i think tends to it, it needs to be more scriptural because a, a lot a lot of us have have when we picture when we picture uh, eternity it's too much about just sort of sitting around on clouds or you know and there, there's just a sense of i don't being Idol, that kind of thing, um, that's, that doesn't come from the Bible. <laughs> right? Even, in, even in, in, in God's original creation, before sin entered the world in Genesis 3, right? So in the Garden of Eden, before sin, when things were perfect, people weren't idle. Adam and Eve weren't idle. They were, they were actively serving God. God, they were engaged in, in, in meaningful uh, work and, and, and service. It wasn't, it wasn't boring, right? But there, were, but there was no sin. And so when you think about the new creation, when you think about the, the, the new heaven and earth, I think a more biblical picture of that is that there will be we will be serving. We will be serving the Lord. There will be work, but it will not be drudgery. It's going to be pure joy. Everything is transformed into pure joy, as we're all we're all ser- serving the King, serving one another in perfect love. There's no selfishness. There's no sin. Right, and so work is transformed. Play is transformed, right? There will be um, the beauty of of, of various cultures that are there, uh, music, uh, uh, art, uh, nature, um, animals, uh, cities, okay? All, All of these things, when you think about the things of earth when they are right at their best, Everything in the new heaven and earth is just, it's perfected. Everything is perfected. And there's no sin. There's no death. And so people are relating to one another in in the way that they were always purposed to do, right? In in creation, without sin, right? Without selfishness, there's love. It's a world of love. A world of love as people are loving one another, and that's because everybody is loving Jesus, who is reigning as king. Wow, the whole creation, the picture, is all of creation is renewed. Romans 8 and verse 21, that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children, right? This is the biblical vision. Right, the whole creation is redeemed and made new. Look at the language here at the end of, um, of verse of verse seventeen and verse eighteen. God says, "I will appoint peace as your government, and righteousness as your overseers. Violence." will never again be heard of in your land. Devastation and destruction will be gone from your borders. You will call your walls salvation and your city gates praise. Wow. The fulfillment of God's promise. Third, the end of sorrow. The end of sorrow. Look at verses 19 and 20. The sun will no longer be your light by day, And the brightness of the moon will not shine on you. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your splendor. Your sun will no longer set and your moon will not fade. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and the days of your sorrow will be over. The days of your sorrow will be over. I mean, so much of this life is characterized by sorrow. And many of us feel it. On holidays, on, on days like this, there's a, there's, there, it's, there's a happiness, but there's also a sense of loss. And that's because of, of the reality of death in our world and the, and the sorrow that comes from it. And, it. and it seems like we lose so much that we can't get back because there's a finality, and a, a finality to death. And, and when things are gone, they're, they're just gone. Edgar Allan Poe really captured this in his dark poem, The, the Raven, where you, you've got this, this raven that comes to this guy who has lost his lover and, and the raven comes to him and they're sitting on a bust and, and there's this haunting refrain, "Quoth the raven, nevermore, nevermore. Youth, your youth goes and it's gone. It's not coming back. P- people, people pass away. They're, they're, they're not coming back. It seems like the losses of our lives are irretrievable. Irretrievable. Final. Nevermore. The message of the gospel. The message of this chapter is that that is not true for those who are in Christ. The, the message of this chapter is that, 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 that sorrow will end, and, and indeed that, every, that, that, that everything sad, well, as Tolkien said, everything sad will come untrue. It will be turned upside down. Death will not have the victory. The sorrow that comes from death will not have the victory. And so at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul taunts. He mocks death. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O grave, is your sting? It's gone. It's gone. Because Christ has been victorious. Because Christ took death on himself and defeated it. Elizabeth Elliot wrote a book called Through Gates of Splendor. I love the end of verse 19. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your splendor. And she wrote this book, The Gates of Splendor, um, in the aftermath of her husband's death. Is a missionary in Ecuador, and he along with with four other missionaries were, were martyred. And before they left on this particular mission trip, her husband Jim Elliott and the other missionaries and their wives got together and they sang this song, We Rest on Thee. And the words go like this, We rest on Thee, our shield and our defender. Thine is the battle, thine shall be the praise. When passing through the gates of pearly splendor, victors, we rest with Thee through endless days. Father, we thank you that the days that we have forever with you and save loved ones will be endless. That, that sorrow and death have been upended, defeated uh, by Christ. And as we just bow before the Lord right now, I would just ask you, are you in Christ? Have you repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Are you resting on, on, on His finished work for you, His righteousness? Or, or do you think that your own righteousness is going to get you into heaven? My friend, it will not. It will not. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And if you'll humble yourself this morning and confess that you are a sinner in and, and, and need of a Savior, and if you will trust in Jesus place your your confidence and, and rely on his work for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead if you'll place your trust and your hope in him then you are united you are united to a savior and that means that his shed blood on the cross his resurrection from the dead and his glorious return is for you and you can live this life in hope because of the work of of jesus turn to christ now trust him and for those who were in christ may what we know is coming in the future fill our lives now with a sense of hope and joy and peace because we, we know that the, the trials of this life are not going to last. And our time in the new heaven and earth is going to be endless. And so, Father, we thank you so much for the work of your Son and for the, the beauty, the glory of the reality that is ours in, in Christ, that to live is Christ and to die is gain because of, of Jesus because he took death on himself and because he rose from the dead. That death has been defeated and that sorrow will end because of Jesus. Fill us with this hope. Fill us with this peace. Fill us with this joy.